Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Welcome to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. This program was originally broadcast live on 93.9 KPDQ. We hope you enjoy the show. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. My name is Mike Lee, filling in for Georgine. I get to be director of local ministries for True Talk 800, the 93.9 KPDQ FM network, AM 860 The Answer, KPAM, AM 1640 The Patriot, 93.1 El Rey and 104.1 The Fish. And I'd love to talk to you about how to introduce our audience to your church through our free resources like our church directory and our church service live stream directory, what it takes to qualify for possibly hosting your own radio program, how to become an authority and expand the reach of your ministry or business both on the air and through our state-of-the-art digital and online resources through our Salem Surround Marketing Branch, how to host one of our station's events and bring people to your church or business at no risk to you, and most importantly, if your pastor or ministry leader could use a phone call, a word of encouragement, or a connection to others, please email me at mikelee at kpdq.com. That's M-I-K-E-L-E-E at K-P-D-Q. I'm also privileged to host the Ministry Spotlight program, Difference Makers, which airs at 1 p.m. Fridays, Saturdays, and Mondays on True Talk 800, and also Saturdays at 1 p.m. on 93.9 KPDQ. Our very special guest is no stranger to KPDQ. Scott Gilchrist is the pastor of Southwest Bible Church, in addition to hosting Southwest Bible Sunday morning and downtown Bible class. Welcome, Pastor Scott Gilchrist. How are you today, sir? Great, Mike. It's good to be with you. Thanks so much for taking time out of your busy schedule, especially around the Easter season. Well, it's a joy to uh, be with you and to talk about the main event, so I'm happy to be here. Well, we love the tradition of having you come on the air, especially on the Georgine Rice Show, especially around Easter. So what word of hope and encouragement has God put on your heart? Well, you know, the, the phrase that has come to my mind repeatedly uh, throughout this whole season is do not be afraid. Uh, The words that our Lord said as a risen Savior, do not be afraid. We live in a day when it seems to me fear has uh, been such a big part of this last year. And I am so thankful that we don't have to live in fear or be afraid. And we've got uh, statement after statement in the scripture that assures us as to why we don't have to be afraid. So that's kind of what's been on my mind, Mike. And has that been amplified at all in the wake of the pandemic and all these closures over the last year? Very much so. It uh, To me, it's so obvious, I almost hate to restate it, but everywhere you look, you see people fearful and uh, captured by fear. And as believers in Christ, we don't have to live in that kind of fear. And I've been noticing in the scripture how often Jesus or his representatives, uh, the angels, said, do not be afraid. It's a theme of scripture, and it's something that 
is grounded in the great resurrection event that uh, we're celebrating this time of year. Of course, we celebrate it year-round, but it's uh, so good to be able to focus our attention on great victory of Christ at the resurrection and to enjoy that we need not live uh, with the kind of fear that people all around us have. I think that fear factor has been really amplified since the whole pandemic and all these closures, Pastor Scott. And I think part of that is accentuated by the fact that so many people have lacked the ability to fellowship with others in person. And I'm grateful for technology and smartphones and things like Zoom meetings, but somehow it's not quite the same as fellowshipping in person, especially with our brothers and sisters in Christ, whether it's at church or fellowship or a small group. I couldn't agree more. I didn't even know what Zoom what Zoom was a year ago. <laughs> Um, but I've spent a lot of time, as you have, I'm sure, and we all have on Zoom. And I'm very grateful for these tools. And I'm certainly grateful that our team at our congregation has been able to live stream. We were live streaming anyway, but uh, I'm very thankful for these tools, even like we're on right now, the radio that bring us together. But you're right. There's something about uh, gathering together in person to worship our risen Savior that is so special. I was uh, teaching Hebrews before the pandemic broke out, and we were just at the end of chapter 10, where that uh, familiar exhortation to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together is uh, such a central part of the exhortation of Hebrews. So it's become even more special to me, I think, this year to realize what a privilege it is when we can gather and as we've been regathering, uh, I think all of us, uh, we value that uh, in-person worship experience more than ever. I'd like to think that after what we've been through, that once the doors continue to open wider and wider, that we're never going to take congregating at church for granted again, or at least I hope not. So has it been for you leading your staff in this world that we live in today? Well, you know, I agree with you. I think when something gets taken away from us, it becomes more precious and more valuable. We, our understanding of, of being together, the fellowship, and it not just on Sunday mornings, but gathering together whenever we can and being with one another and encouraging one another. And so we have, uh, I know we've experienced this as a congregation, that as we've been able to come back together, it has been so encouraging and uh, I do hope, just like you do, that it's something that will not uh, take for granted again. So many of our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world don't have that kind of freedom that we have right here. In particular, we've had some good friends in from China, and the pressure they live under there to gather and the, the extreme measures they have to take to gather together has been uh, an eye-opener to me. And I think we knew about it, but to realize that to go through this where we've not been able to be gathering freely for part of the pandemic and to now to have that restored to where we can gather, we're, I hope I never take it for granted again, let me tell you that. You and me both, you and me both. So different churches have different styles and protocols that they're choosing to follow. I know that initially my church 
Morningstar was meeting outside on the lawn in the warmer months, and eventually doors reopened to very limited seating, which required an RSVP in advance. And right now, we don't have nearly as many chairs in the sanctuary as we used to, and we tend to walk in wearing masks. And that's not the same for everyone, and that's okay. I think that you need to follow your heart, common sense, and safety, depending on your immediate family and then then work from there. But it certainly has upped the creativity. I know that some churches have had drive-in services like at the drive-in movies, except in their parking lot. (laughs) Yeah, we did some of that last summer. Was that kind of fun doing something different? It was. We, uh, as you know, maybe you don't know, but we, every summer we have our outdoor summer evenings where we have outreaches on our campus and uh, we have a large athletic field that's just a beautiful worship setting. And so we've been able to have outreaches there every summer over the years. And last summer, why we drove we drove cars out into there, and we just had drive-in church when we were still under those kind of restraints. And it was a great time, but uh, it's been good to get back to a little more normal, normal gathering, uh, distanced and safe, but uh, but able to gather together and and worship the Lord together. You know, the the resurrection of Christ is so central to what we're talking about. And I I have thought of the the fear that has captured our culture. Uh, and the Bible actually says in Hebrews, I've kind of got Hebrews on my mind because I've, as I said, I was teaching Hebrews and I'm back in Hebrews 11 now uh, in our morning pulpit. But uh, in chapter 2, it, it tells us that Jesus uh, actually suffered. It says, We see him who's been made for a little while lower than the angels, namely Jesus, because of the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. Since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same, that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is, the devil, and might deliver those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. I love that. Uh, that that's, I read verse 9 and 14 and 15 of chapter 2 of Hebrews. But... It's really this statement in Hebrews is why he came. He became man to dwell among us so that he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is, the devil, and might deliver us who through fear of death were subject to slavery all our lives. And I see people all around me who are fearful of death. And uh, it's, it's underlined for me, and I think for all of us who know the Savior, that we don't have to be afraid of death. Death is a conquered foe, and the fear of death need not strangle us and keep us subject to slavery all our lives. And it's so liberating to know this and then to realize that this year has actually afforded an opportunity to uh, point people to the solution because people are wondering. Just the other day I was talking to someone, I said, you know, death is on people's minds and the fear of death. And it's just a natural segue to talk about the one who conquered death, Jesus himself. So that's been a great uh, silver lining to this cloud, I think, that we all appreciate more than ever 
just what our Savior accomplished for us when he died in our place and rose again. Pastor Scott Gilchrist is the pastor of Southwest Bible Church and the host of Downtown Bible Class. And we're going to find out more about the status of that next with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Welcome back to The Georgine Rice Show. My name is Mike Lee, filling in for Georgine with our very special guest, Pastor Scott Gilchrist of Southwest Bible Church and of Downtown Bible Class. Now, I've got to ask you, Pastor Scott, what's the status on Downtown Bible Class? And do we have any idea when we might be getting back into the Portland Art Museum on Wednesdays? You know, we really don't. Um, the, uh, you know, as you, as you know, downtown has, has changed so much. Uh, so that the in-person gathering at lunch hour has been uh, in, kind of indefinitely postponed. Uh, but I will say this, we were talking earlier about the tools that we're thankful for, and I am so thankful for the radio. And uh, we've seen God continue to use the downtown class uh, radio ministry in such a powerful way. And so I'm very grateful that we've we've not missed a beat, you might say, in that way. Uh, we're continuing to hear from people and listeners and ministering God's Word in a clear, Christ-centered, uh, Bible-teaching kind of a way, just like we always have. So it makes me very, very thankful for you, Mike, and all the, Georgine, and all the uh, the ones who labor to assist us in that. It's truly our privilege, and back when things were normal before the pandemic, I used to love driving up to the Portland Art Museum on Wednesdays just to hear your expository preaching. So if you're Romans 5 this week, maybe be Romans 5.5 or 6 or 7 the next week. And I just love that continuity and the proper context, and we'd go through the Bible together, and there would be homeless people from the park across the street, and then doctors coming over for Beaverton, and we'd all be eating together, listening to to the Bible. I just love that. Uh-huh. It's a very fun dynamic. It really is. And uh, I, we've had some uh, lots of spin-off ministries from that gathering in the ballroom. And uh, this year, I've been appreciative of some of the Zoom meetings that I'm having with businessmen that are basically a spin-off of, of those gatherings there at the Art Museum. And I couldn't help but think, and it's on my heart and mind, uh, with Luis Palau's homegoing, just uh, one of our last gatherings before the pandemic, one of the memorable ones, I might say, was the when we celebrated Luis's 85th birthday back in November of 19, and just the joy it was to gather, and, and Luis, we made him preach on his birthday, uh, and, and he did a great job, and his own victory in Christ uh, has been something that's on my mind a lot as I think about the resurrection. And and uh, he was a great friend to downtown Bible class. Uh, as busy as he was, anytime, anytime I would uh, ask him to come speak, boy, if his schedule allowed, why he would come. And, and uh, his heart for the city of Portland and just people in general was so uh, Christ-like. He he so wanted people to know his Savior, and I have been thinking about him a lot since uh, his home going just a couple weeks ago. 
I remember attending that birthday celebration where Luis Palau was the guest speaker at downtown Bible class. So how far back do you and Luis Palau go? I met him uh, when I was a college student. Uh, he came and spoke at, at uh, our church, uh, and the pastor announced him. I remember this was back in the 70s as the Billy Graham of South America. And I just uh, immediately gravitated toward his heart for Christ. He was so passionate and so desirous of people knowing Christ. And uh, so I don't know exactly when I got to know him personally. It was sometime during the next uh, 10 years or so. But we we go back a long ways, and he's been a dear friend. His heart uh, for Christ, for Christ's Word, uh, the two, the kind of the twin foundations of downtown Bible class, clear Christ-centered Bible teaching. Why those were two non-negotiables with Luis. He had such a heart for God's Word, and his message was always the centerpiece of God's Word, Jesus Christ. And uh, I remember that day well. You were mentioning the birthday party. He he did what he always did. He talked about Jesus and and uh, pled with people to come to know Jesus. And, you know, it's been w- very interesting, Mike, to watch, too, as he, uh, we'd stayed in touch this last year. We weren't able to be together because, of course, he was uh, compromised as far as his health. Uh, he had to be very careful, but also just the, the natural and normal standards that we're all keeping but he used, we'd text and talk, and he said, you know, i just so looking forward to when we can get back and have lunch again together. And that, that, that energy he kept until the very end, and uh, even in his last hospitalization, uh, in fact, I think it might have been his first hospitalization. I mean, uh, in February, he was in, in the hospital for a couple of weeks, and he, that was a new experience for him. But he, uh, a good friend of mine is a doc up there, and... Uh, he was saying how Luis was talking to anybody and everybody about his Savior and pointing nurses and doctors to Christ. And just the uh, energy with which he finished. He, he lived well and he finished well. And it's a great encouragement to all of us, I think, to live in a similar way. Well, that's for sure. And our thoughts and our prayers and our condolences go out to the entire Palau family. Mm-hmm. So, Pastor Scott, I want to congratulate you. At one season, you were going through a service at 10 a.m., but now Southwest Bible Church is back to its pre-pandemic schedule with services at 8.30 and 11, and True Talk 800 is continuing to air Southwest Bible Sunday morning at the moment at 10 a.m., and we're working on discussing what our options are for maybe going live, but we're very excited about that. And how does it feel for you, a pastor, being back in the pulpit with people in front of him as opposed to <laughs> just a camera? I got to say, it's great. We uh, we have been back since, I think, December in our normal schedule, 8.30 and 11. And we're very thankful. Throughout the whole pandemic, we've been thankful that we have a large campus and a great facility. And so we're able to gather in a safe way. And it has been uh, just wonderful to be back together singing praises to the Lord and lifting our voices uh, together uh, and, you know, enjoying the encouragement and fellowship 
that is so much a part of, as you were mentioning earlier, the hope that we have um, in that in that familiar text where he says not to forsake our assembling together. It's surrounded with the the loving one another and caring for one another and encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. And if ever we knew that uh, we're one day closer today than we were yesterday to the return of the Lord, well, that's certainly true today. And uh, as we see the day drawing near, what a great opportunity to gather and worship and to... And I'm, and as I said, we're very thankful for our live stream because uh, many, many more people can gather and actually are uh, around the country and even around the world. We're hearing from people, so we're encouraged that the outreach of uh, Sunday mornings is is not limited to the physical space. But we are so thankful for that physical space. And and I gotta say that uh, when I look back to last summer, when I would. Uh, we were pre-recording sometimes, and then we'd do live. But either way, it was pretty much to an empty auditorium. Uh, that's not the way things ought to be. And so it's been very nice to uh, have that personal interaction with people and that encouraging of one another that is so vital to our Christian experience. Oh, I totally agree, Pastor Scott. And none of us would have picked a global pandemic to get us to this point. But certainly the increase in churches live streaming their services has been a boon and a benefit. So do you know how far away the newest viewer of Southwest Bible Church is viewing from? You know, I probably should because they told me the other day that, that we have a some sort of an app that shows where people tune in from around the country and actually around the world. I know that uh, we we have a prayer meeting every morning on Zoom and we have uh, a gal that that uh, joins us from from Prague in the Republic of Czech uh, daily, and it's it's almost as if she's part of the well, she is part of the congregation, but she she keeps up with the prayer requests, and she's just uh, right there, even though it's I think a nine hour time zone difference. She prays with us, and she is is uh, watching the live stream and. And I know we have people in Asia, and uh, so I suppose uh, it would, wouldn't be a stretch to say the the I don't know which one's the farthest away, but I know that there's there's an amazing reach to that kind of thing, and we're grateful for that. And once people get more comfortable and healthier situations allow for more freedom, we look forward to the church doors being even wider open than they have become now. And we're talking with Pastor Scott Gilchrist of Southwest Bible and also Downtown Bible Class. You can find out more about his church at swbible.org. That's swbible.org. More with Pastor Scott Gilchrist next on The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. I'm Mike Lee filling in for Georgine with a dear friend, mentor, and beloved shepherd of our entire area. It's Pastor Scott Gilchrist of Southwest Bible Church and the radio ministry's downtown Bible class, as well as Southwest Bible Sunday morning. Pastor Scott, we were talking about how wonderful it is for you to be able to preach in front of live people now that the doors are opening. So can you tell us what they're sharing with you? What's the general vibe you're getting from the public when it comes to 
being able to meet again? Well, I think there's there's just a as we've mentioned a, a deeper appreciation of the one another's of Scripture. Uh, years ago, I remember I heard a man speak uh, when I was oh, I was in my twenties, and he just took that phrase "one another" and traced it through the New Testament. And of course, we're to love one another. That's how they'll know you're a follower of mine. Is how you love one another, but we're to care for one another, teach one another, admonish one another, bear one another's burdens. Uh, It's a rich study in and of itself just to trace that phrase, one another. And it's such a picturesque uh, thought of, of we need one another. We're not saved in isolation. We are saved as individuals. God doesn't save groups of people. He, he opens the eyes of blinded ones and we, we must be born again. But when we're born into God's family, we're born into just that, a family. And so we have brothers and sisters and aunts and uncles. And, uh, you know, the family nature of the church is such a blessing. And I think that uh, I've heard more people, I think, appreciating that right now than ever before. It means so much just to reach out and encourage one another. My wife and I, took some just tokens of love to different uh, widows in our congregation, left them at their door, just talked to them at their door, some who have not been able to get out to worship in person but are listening and watching on live stream. And it just meant so much to different ones to have that kind of personal contact. And so I think that that has been uh, one of the great benefits of this is that we are realizing that we are part of a community and that uh, worship service isn't merely just coming and gathering for an hour and then going home, but rather that dynamic of caring for each other and loving one another and supporting one another and and watching out for those who are struggling and meeting the needs of those who are hurting. And there, it is so necessary that we minister to one another in a time like this when so much of our culture is experiencing so much isolation and loneliness. We who know the Lord, not only does He never leave us, but we're connected in a vital, very real family relationship with each other. And it's been, I guess I'd say for myself personally, it has been a great joy and a deepening of my appreciation of that. And I think that's been true of people uh, throughout our congregation and I'm sure throughout the body of Christ. Well, Patrick Scott, I'm so grateful that you and your wife have been able to visit your senior members and drop off flowers. How are their reactions? Do they love seeing someone at their doorstep? (laughs) Definitely, yeah. And I don't want to overstate that. We haven't done enough of that, probably. But to the extent that we have, and, you know, we have a large uh, group of deacons and elders in our congregation, and they have been making phone calls and reaching out to people. And it's just been so encouraging to hear the, the stories of the encouragement and the need for that uh, and being intentional about it because uh, there's people that kind of get, uh, oh, you might say they were maybe less connected to begin with with the congregation. And so we've been intentional about reaching out to everyone possible And the stories that come back from that have been very encouraging, too. We meet 
in our large upper auditorium in a large circle, the deacons and elders do, and uh, just uh, feedback from those kinds of outreaches to our own people have been very encouraging, as well as as real outreach. I mean, uh, in the sense of taking this good news of Jesus Christ to the community around us, uh, people are are sensing their need and oftentimes uh, are more open right now to talking about Christ and spiritual things than they were pre-pandemic. And uh, so we need to take advantage of those opportunities, and I think that's happening, and I'm very thankful for it. We're having baptisms on Easter, and we're looking forward to those stories because just one of my last times communicating with Luis and his son Andrew, I was letting him know that we had a guy come to Christ. We baptized him the other day, and uh, in the waters of the baptistry, he he mentioned that the first time that he'd heard the gospel was 50 years ago from Luis Palau. And uh, about 47 years later, he came to our congregation, and I remember watching him. He, he uh, sat up near the front, and he was obviously struggling with issues in his personal life, and and he was, uh, when I'd proclaim the gospel week after week, his tears would come to his eyes. And he came to a class that I teach for new people, and uh, he asked questions, and I watched him. It took about a year, maybe a year and a half, and finally he put his faith in Jesus Christ about a year ago. And so I, I knew that. I'd tracked with him, and I rejoiced, and a good friend of mine has followed him up, and equipped him in the Lord and teaching him the scripture. But I didn't know till the baptistry that he had first heard the gospel 50 years ago. So I shared that with Andrew. I said, pass that along to your dad. And he said, oh, that'll make dad's day. That you sow seed with people. And sometimes it takes a a half a century to germinate. But uh, we have a powerful gospel and a powerful God. And the victory that my new brother experienced in Christ and then gave testimony to in the baptistry was really uh, encouraging to me. And and just a reminder that our job isn't to convert people. Our job is to faithfully proclaim. And Jesus Christ is the one who works in their hearts. And the Holy Spirit uses that gospel to uh, stir new life. And so uh, I couldn't help but think of that story as I think about the different ones because there are so many different stories where God is touching personal lives in a way that is helpful both now and for all eternity. I love hearing stories like that, Pastor Scott. So this gentleman got saved and baptized about 50 years after initially hearing the gospel message from Luis Palau. And I'm glad that you got to share that with his family before Luis went to join the Lord. How wonderful. Yeah, it was when he had uh, basically had gone home from the hospital, and I knew that his priority, he'd said his whole thing was he he hoped he had the strength to have time with each one of his family members. So I was in touch with Andrew, his son, and, and I just told him that story, and he said, oh, Dad will love, that'll make Dad's day. And uh, it is very, very encouraging to remember that uh, faithfulness to the gospel you know, I I love it that the Lord says, well done, good and faithful servant. He didn't say, well done, great servant, 
He said, well done, faithful servant. And each one of us can be faithful and proclaim that good news in Christ and know that God will use it for his glory and for the salvation of sinners. Sometimes I think I'd have to say 48 and a half years because it was about a year and a half ago that that my uh, new brother uh, put his faith in Christ and I've watched him grow now for that 18 months and I'd watched him for probably 18 months prior to that struggling and he'd come to me after service and ask questions and and uh, you know so it's one of those vivid illustrations for me that I was able to watch the gospel do its work in his life and now he's a joyous joyous new creature in Christ our friends at downtown bible class and southwest bible church are so good with their various outreaches to the community. And when we return, let's hear about more of them from Pastor Scott Gilchrist on The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. This is The Georgine Rice Show. I'm Mike Lee, having the privilege to fill in for Georgine and talk with Pastor Scott Gilchrist of Downtown Bible Class and Southwest Bible Church. And Pastor Scott was just showing a wonderful testimony about a gentleman that had heard the gospel about 50 years prior to receiving the Lord, becoming saved, and then becoming baptized. And the man he heard it from was the late Luis Palau. So I guess that points out to me, Pastor Scott, that you don't have to be a Luis Palau or Scott Gilchrist, to simply share the gospel and share the hope of Christ with anybody that you meet. And those seeds might be slow to germinate, but they're not void. They're not wasted. Boy, that is so true, Mike. And, you know, Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes, don't even leave. Don't even leave the city until you're clothed with power from on high. And then he said, Uh, When you receive the Holy Spirit, you're going to receive power and you will be my witnesses. And he's speaking to every every, uh, believer. We are all called to witness and we all have the privilege of witnessing. And it's the power is not in us. The power is in the Holy Spirit. And specifically, the power is in the gospel. Paul said in Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. And I never tire of uh, the marvel of that, that uh, I was earlier this week, I was in John 6 in my devotions, and Jesus said, the one who believes has eternal life. And that simple statement that he repeated two or three times in that chapter Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes has eternal life. The gospel is God's power for salvation to everyone who believes. And it might be even right now that a listener, uh, you're listening to me and you're thinking, I've never really trusted Jesus Christ. I've never really personally believed in him. And God's speaking to your heart and speaking to you. And I'm, I'm telling you, if you will believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. And he will forgive your sins. He will cleanse you of the defilement and all the pain that sin brings. Uh, he will transform you. He will cause you to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection 
of Jesus Christ. So this gospel, you're right, Mike, it, it's powerful, and it's not the messenger. Uh, it is the message itself that saves, and the message is the person of God's Son. And as I said when we were beginning uh, our visit today, just this, this great statement, do not be afraid. I was thinking of John. He, he was the disciple whom Jesus loved. And uh, he describes himself that way. And he had a personal, intimate fellowship with Jesus. He leaned back on his breast uh, as you picture them reclining around at the Last, at the last Supper. And uh, he had this personal intimacy with Christ. And yet when he saw the risen Christ, uh, I'm thinking of the first chapter of Revelation, when he saw Christ in his glory... I read this, when I saw him, this is John, the apostle speaking, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as a dead man, and he laid his right hand upon me saying, do not be afraid, I am the first and the last and the living one, and I was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and of Hades. I marvel at that scene because John knew Jesus, but I don't think any of us can fully grasp what it will be to see him in his glory. This isn't, uh, you know, he is indeed the man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And he was one that people were able to kind of ignore and say, well, he's just the son of a carpenter, etc., But when we see him unveiled, when we see him, the apocalypse, the unveiling of the Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords, the grandeur, the glory will be amazing. And and John said, I fell at his feet as a dead man. But immediately, I love this, he laid his right hand on me and said, do not be afraid. And, you know, we need to hear that today. There are those maybe listening who are fearful of God in a sense that they know they're guilty and they know they're not right with the Lord. And the risen Lord's words were, do not be afraid. I'm the first and the last, the living one, and I was dead and behold, I am alive forevermore. He came and died in our place and rose again on our behalf. And he says repeatedly do not be afraid perfect love casts out fear and uh, the the christ of the bible the jesus christ who willingly came and laid his life down for us came to set us free from the fears and the bondages that sin inevitably uh, brings and so uh, I can't help but say that I've just got this on my mind, this great phrase, do not be afraid. And even those of us who have known the Lord for a long time, we do fall into fear. We forget that first love and that undeniable feeling that God's got our back and he's a God who loves us and can be trusted. And I think especially now, Pastor Scott, it is easy for us to fall back into that frightful mode when all we have to do is give it back to God. And why do we forget that so frequently? <laughs> it's a good question. I think I think we need to be absorbed with him and we need daily time in his word to be refocused and recalibrated. 
But you're right. Uh, even believers can fall into kind of a distance uh, from the Lord to where they they are fearful, thinking they've let him down or or that uh, somehow he's he's not for them. And really, uh, the scripture says, if God is for us, who can be against us? And of course, that's an if-then statement that is one of the most powerful statements in the scripture. And you can read it because the context is so clear. He is for us. Since God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? I mean, is God for me? Yes. He sent his son for me. He sent his son to a cross for me. He was willing to come and be obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. This, uh, this is my Savior, and no matter what, what circumstances I'm in during my life here, he said, you know, in this world you'll have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. And uh, we need to remember that daily. And I find myself needing to be, I sometimes, I mention it uh, as just recalibrating my heart and my mind. Um, I get up in the morning and I don't necessarily think clearly until I start to renew my mind in the words of God himself. And uh, he he takes the the truth of the gospel and applies it in such a way that I remember, yes, he is for me. And yes, he is the victor over death. And yes, uh, nothing is is too difficult for him. I remember what Jeremiah said way back in uh, Jeremiah 32. Ah, Lord God, you made the heavens and the earth. Nothing is too difficult for you. And that's the truth today. In uh, 2021, the creator of the universe became man and dwelt among us. Nothing is too difficult for him, and he is for us. Uh, He became man so that he might redeem us from the curse of the law and set us free from the fear of death and actually set us free from death so that, you know, the psalmist could say, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't have to fear any evil because you are with me. You are with me. Uh, if I'm speaking to some listeners right now that need to hear that, in fact, I'm sure I am, I would just say, he will never leave you or forsake you. He is the one who is the first and the last. And he was dead and he rose from the dead. Uh, He is the living one, never to die again. And there is great, great security and freedom and peace beyond all measure in that great gospel we're talking about. Amen to that. When we return to the Georgine Rice Show, more with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. 
You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Welcome back to the Georgine Rice Show. Filling in for Georgine, I'm Mike Lee, and I get the privilege of speaking with Pastor Scott Gilchrist today. He is the lead pastor of Southwest Bible Church, and you may also remember him from Downtown Bible Class at the Portland Art Museum, Downtown Bible Class, the radio program, and also Southwest Bible Sunday morning, currently at 10 a.m. on True Talk 800. Pastor Scott, thanks so much for what you're doing in the community. And when I think of Southwest Bible, I think of people like Dave Martini. I think of people like Marlene serving on the front lines, giving people lunch at downtown Bible class when we were still meeting in person. So when it comes to a church like yours that is so entrenched in community programs and helping kids out with things to do all summer long, how has the adjustment been for you and your staff? And how do you keep people from getting downtrodden when they have to change directions so greatly from what they were used to? Well, that's a that's a great question. And I think that has been one of the real challenges this year. Uh, but I will say this, that the very, the, the very, uh, power of God unleashed in the resurrection is also available to us to give us strength and hope when we're having to make adjustments and change directions. And uh, this year has been full of challenges that way. But, you know, I've watched uh, these faithful ones like some of the ones you mentioned and many, many others who are are busy uh, looking for opportunities and ways to serve the Lord in the midst of this pandemic and to reach out and help people. And uh, we have uh, had been able to continue to reach out to children and we've had our adventure camps in the summer and then continuing to minister to children throughout this, uh, this whole school year. We're very grateful for these opportunities. And, you know, sometimes it can feel um, it, it's, like you mentioned, the having to shift gears. I mean, you guys are doing things differently right now than you normally do. And so many of us, I think the whole culture knows that we've got to do things a little bit differently. But the Lord is is still on the throne, and His desire is to use us in the midst of this. And so it's exciting to see that uh, He is indeed using us, and we can uh, see Him work uh, even in the midst of having to adjust our methodology and that sort of thing, uh, methods are are constantly flexible, but our message is the same. We have a great Savior who is uh, uh, available to any and all who will call out to him. Well, that's for sure, Pastor Scott Gilchrist. What have you observed when it comes to the kids in your community? Well, you know, the, the uh, kids are suffering they're they're meant to be around others and it is it's been sad to see so many of them isolated i've i've been able to see the other side of that in the sense that as we've been able to bring kids together in a safe way and minister to them they they have thrived and we have uh, a team that that works with the children and produces uh, videos for them that sort of thing that uh, and each week they take my message that I'm preaching to the congregation and they they make particular materials and home they've got uh, packages that they call kind of home projects for the children and so 
kids are really thriving on that. And, and in one sense, it's one of those things where uh, the methods have, have improved almost as we've uh, realized we need to be intentional about reaching children with this gospel. You know, Jesus said, if you don't become like a child, uh, you know, truly I say to you, unless you're converted and become like children, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. So children are ready uh, to hear the gospel. And I am very, very thankful for many uh, who labor in our in our congregation to uh, bring this gospel, this good news, into the very lives of children who need to hear it. And it sometimes is kind of like a storm. Uh, this year has seemed like a storm because the wind shifts and, you know, circumstances change and rules change and that sort of thing. But uh, that that doesn't keep the Lord from working. And again, I maybe I have it on my mind, this, uh, this great phrase, do not be afraid. I can't help but think of how uh, you, you mentioned even believers in times of trouble uh, might feel like they, they can't approach the Lord or that or they would give in to fear. And one of the one of the times that Jesus said that was when uh, he came to the men in the midst of the storm. And I'm thinking of Matthew 14, when uh, the men were out on the boat and they were rowing and they weren't making much headway because it says specifically the wind was contrary. And lots of times we find ourselves in situations in life when we're in the midst of a storm and the winds are headwinds. They're contrary to what we'd like to see happen. Uh, and that's, I love this picture because I read in the fourth watch of the night when they were probably just about ready to quit. I mean, it was, it was a long, discouraging storm. He came to them walking upon the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were frightened, saying, it's a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately, Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. And I love that uh, scene. Uh, they were fearful. They were uh, terrified. And immediately, Jesus said, Take courage, do not be afraid. And then he said, our Bible translates it, it is I. But he basically said that great statement, Ego a me. I am. Don't be afraid. And so, no matter what uh, circumstances we find ourselves in, no matter uh, how many times it seems the winds have shifted and things aren't going our way, and Christ never promised us an easy situation in life, down here. He said, you're going to have tribulation. There will be trouble. There will be trouble, but take courage. I am. Don't be afraid. I am with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Uh, I love these statements of our Lord, and they're given to us for our instructions so that no matter what you're facing today, and I know we've got, uh, I mentioned that morning prayer time. Uh, when we pray, 
uh, each morning why many, many prayer requests uh, are brought our way. And in a large congregation, there's many people who are facing real challenges. But uh, in the midst of it, the Lord never changes. And he says, I am. Don't be afraid. Let not your heart be troubled. Take courage. So we have a great Savior, and he, uh, he gives us strength in the midst of the storm, even. And one day he'll see us safely through to the other side. Indeed. You're listening to Pastor Scott Gilchrist, who returns next on The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. This is The Georgine Rice Show. I'm Mike Lee, filling in for Georgine, and our very special guest is the pastor at Southwest Bible Church. You also know him on the radio on Downtown Bible Class and Southwest Bible Sunday morning. Welcome back, Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Thanks, Mike. It's great to be with you. I was thinking the other day of, of different portions of Scripture that just are like anchors for our soul. And uh, when you think of love, you might think of 1 Corinthians 13 and faith, the hall of faith, uh, the 11th chapter of Hebrews, which I'm in the middle of right now and really enjoying that. We're learning so much about faith. But the resurrection, the gospel, 1 Corinthians 15 as we're coming up on Easter and the great privilege of proclaiming a risen Savior and the great victory over death, I want to just read uh, the early verses. It's one of the longest chapters in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 15, where Paul just kind of takes a moment and 58 verses he devotes to this great theme of resurrection. But I love the way it starts. There is such a simplicity to this gospel, this good news. He said, Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, in which also you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast the word which, which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day, according to the Scriptures. Just like the Scriptures said, he would come and die in our place. And he was buried, and he was raised on the third day, just like the Scriptures said he would. And Paul states this simple gospel, and then he spends 50, 58 verses just uh, splashing around in it, you might say. And I think, well, if ever there's a time when we need to remember the victory of the resurrection and the triumph of Christ in the resurrection, it's, it's now. And so I just want our listeners to remember that uh, Jesus Christ died, he tasted death for us, but death could not hold him. Uh, you killed him, Peter said on the day of Pentecost, but God raised him from the dead. And he pointed right at the people who had crucified him, and he said, you killed him, you put him to death by the hands of godless men, but God raised him up again. And that is the message 
that Paul never tired of, Peter never tired of, and we have this same gospel message today. And of course, it begins with that simplicity that Christ did that for us. And then he, after uh, speaking about it in a wide variety of ways, you come over to the end of the chapter and he says, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Whoever you are, wherever you are, remember that Jesus Christ, God's Son, came to die in your place. He had no sin of his own. There was no reason for him to die for his own sin. He was sinless. He was born of the virgin. And uh, he thought no sin. He committed no sin. In him there was no sin. But he willingly came and laid his life down on our behalf and bore our sins in his body on the cross that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. And he was raised on the third day. And he is seated at the right hand of the Father right now. And he is coming back. And so we can say, death is swallowed up in victory. People all around us are fearful of death. Uh, the, uh, the pandemic has underlined that. People uh, living in fear and uh, captured by that fear. But for the believer, we can say no death. The ultimate thing to fear, perhaps, the sting of, of death is sin. And we know that we're not right with God. But when you come to know Jesus Christ, then you know, no, I am right with God. He cleansed me. He justified me. Another died in my place so that I can go free and have eternal life. And so uh, Paul isn't at all... Uh, shy or or hesitant he just says simply death is swallowed up in victory and then he almost taunts death oh death where is your victory oh death where's your sting thanks be to god who gives us the victory through our lord jesus christ oh uh, we have a great savior and he's able and willing to save anyone who will call out to him and if I'm talking to someone today who's never yet put their faith in Jesus Christ, oh, don't, don't put him off. Today, if you hear his voice, uh, don't harden your heart. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. Amen to that. Pastor Scott Gilchrist, you know what song that brings to mind for me? I want to hear. What is it? Have you ever heard a song, Christ is Risen by Matt Marr? Have you heard that one? Well, I know the I know the phrase. I you'll have to sing it for me. <laughs> oh no! Forgive me, Georgine's listeners. <laughs> Christ is risen from the dead. We are one with Him again. Come awake, come awake, come and rise up from the grave. Oh yeah! Oh death, where is your stick? And I love that. I love that. I do too. I do too. In fact, in recent years. Uh, I've been so thankful for a lot of the worship music that has has 
has uh, grabbed on to that ultimate victory of the resurrection. Uh, I remember back when I first got in the pastorate, there weren't that many songs that had the resurrection embedded right in them in a powerful way. And today there are so many. I have a hard time bringing them to mind. That's why I say I had you sing it because I, by their title, I don't always know them until I hear them. But I think, oh yeah, we should be singing about this year round. And of course we are. And I'm very thankful for those who have put their pen to paper and uh, have the gift to write new songs of the resurrection. New songs based on the old truth that Jesus Christ rose from the dead and death is swallowed up in victory. And I find myself singing them just like you just did. Uh, they come to mind, don't they? Hopefully you sing them better than I just did. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, you made a joyful noise, man. That's the thing. Uh I have a friend who often uh, quotes worship songs just verbatim in in prayer. And, boy, when he's speaking them back to the Lord, they just speak in a new and fresh way to me. Much like when people, you know, you're praying with one another, and it's one of the great blessings of the community, praying together. Uh, and, b- by the way, I'm thinking of Zoom even right now how we can encourage one another on Zoom, praying together. But when someone, when a child of God processes God's word in their own heart and soul and then quotes it back to him, there's something about that. There's power in that. And same with these worship songs. They just speak when someone is praising the Lord with them, whether they're singing them or just saying them. The truth truth that is based right out of scripture is so good for us to hear and we need to encourage one another in that way that we do i'm going to find out more of your favorite songs when we return with pastor scott gilchrist next on the georgine rice show you're listening to the georgine rice show podcast is aired on 93.9 kpdq you're listening to the georgine rice show my name is mike lee filling in for georgine and our very special guest is no stranger to our stations He is the host of Downtown Bible Class and Southwest Bible Sunday Morning, as well as being the lead pastor of Southwest Bible Church. So welcome back, Pastor Scott Gilchrist. And let me ask you, what songs are in your head, especially around the Easter season, that just bring your heart to a good place of worship? Hmm. Boy, that's that's a great question. You know, just the other day, I was ministering to a family that were really hurting, and they're in the midst of a storm. And this passage in Jeremiah's Lament came to my mind. And, of course, it has uh, several songs that have been written right out of this. But the phrase, great is your faithfulness. And one of us read, uh, in the midst of that very painful time, uh, Remember my affliction and my wandering, the wormwood and bitterness. Surely my soul remembers, and it is bowed down within me. Jeremiah was in a place of real pain and heartache. But then he said this, This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. The Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease, For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. 
great is thy faithfulness. You know, that has been an anchor for my soul. That passage and the two or three songs, and again, I uh, I can remember the old ones easier than I can the new ones, but there's uh, the, the old hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness, has been just an anchor for my soul so many times. But then there's a couple of new ones that quote this same passage in such a way that it just... Uh, it brings it to life in a new and fresh way. So I love that one. And I love it that it's right in the middle of a time of real pain and affliction. And Jeremiah is crying out, Lord, remember, uh, I can't forget the situation I'm in. I'm, in. I'm hurting. But this I recall to my mind. Therefore, I have hope. And for me, songs have been that way so often when I'm hurting uh, God will bring a song to my mind that is based right out of his word and it will refocus my attention on him. Uh, sometimes they're the little simple ones that I learned years ago and they've been great friends all the way through. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Paul prayed in Ephesians, Oh Lord, open open the eyes of our heart that we might be enlightened and see the beauty of Christ, the breadth and the length and the height and the depth of the love of Christ. The book of Hebrews has that great exhortation to fix our eyes on Jesus. And so uh, that song, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus, has been a great uh, anchor for my soul in many, many different situations. I think musical styles are very interesting when it comes to how people like to do church, Pastor Scott. So, if they asked you, what would be your dream playlist on any given Sunday morning? Would it be strictly hymns, strictly new worship contemporary, a mix of the two, or what? You know, I I suppose it'd be a mix. I don't really make much distinction. I just, uh, the you know, when in Ephesians, when he said, be filled with the Spirit, he says, speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And I think that covers the whole gamut. And I am very, very thankful for the contemporary uh, music that's being written. And in, in, in every era, there's some winners and there's some losers. You know, the old hymn books had some, some songs that were not all that helpful, maybe, or hard to sing or whatever. And certainly that can be said of contemporary music, too. But, but I am so thankful for the gifted songwriters. We have some in our own congregation. I was just talking yesterday with our worship leader, and we're going to be doing a new song on, uh, I, I, I think it's either the Good Friday service or Easter, I can't remember which now, that they wrote. And uh, it's going to be a wonderful opportunity to have our minds and our hearts focused on Christ. So it's hard for me to say it isn't so much style to me as it is the passion and the centerpiece of the song being praise and worship to our triune God. And uh, I love some of the old majestic hymns, 
and I love some of the uh, young, or I should say, uh, short gospel songs that I learned uh, in my early days. Uh, like I just mentioned, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Um, I love many of the the new ones that I have a hard time bringing to mind by title, but when I hear them, I just say yes, you know. And uh, so I guess I would say the main thing in worship to me is that it be vertical, focused on Him, and uh, filling our mind and our hearts uh, with the beauty of our Savior. And the Holy Spirit loves to take the things of Christ and magnify them. Uh, he, Jesus said that's when, when He comes, that's what He'll do. He'll take of mine and disclose it to you. So I think that real worship is always uh, just being occupied with the one who saved us and rehearsing his attributes. Uh, we sing a song, now you mention it, we sing a song, I, I think it's just called The Creed, but we sing it fairly often. I believe in God the Father. I believe in Christ his Son. And we pretty much sing through uh, the Apostles' Creed. Uh, I just love that song. And I find that, that young and old, we will. Uh, I, I've noticed that when we sing that song, everybody seems to get into it and just we, we lift our voices in joyous celebration of who it is that we believe in, who it is that we trust. And so for me, I guess I would say worship is that, just being occupied with the one you worship and then uh, use whatever form of music and song you can. Use every instrument, you know. The 150th Psalm says, hey, use, use everything that has breath. Let it praise the Lord. And in that short little burst of a psalm, Psalm 150. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with harp and lyre. Praise him with timbrel and dancing. Praise him with stringed instruments and pipe. Praise him with loud cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We're speaking with Pastor Scott Gilchrist of Downtown Bible Class and Southwest Bible Church. More with Pastor Scott next on The Georgine Wright Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Thank you so much for tuning in to The Georgine Rice Show today. My name is Mike Lee, filling in from our dear friend and mentor, Georgine Rice. And I'm doubly blessed because we are interviewing with Pastor Scott Gilchrist of Southwest Bible Church and Downtown Bible Class. So, Pastor Scott, I think it's very important for us in the church, and I don't consider that as any specific congregation or denomination or building. I think that's defined as all believers, brothers and sisters in Christ. And I think it's very important for us to honor our pastors and our teachers, and at the same point, not put them up on a pedestal to the degree that we're worshiping them alongside or even more than Jesus. That being said, I so admire what you do, Pastor Scott, and your routine and your marriage and what your ministry stands for and how humble that you've remained over the years. So that being said, can you give us an idea of what your morning routine is? How does Pastor Scott Gilchrist start his day? <laughs> well, I'll tell you, if I'm being honest, to which I'm going to be, <laughs> first thing I do is go for the coffee. <laughs> 
I uh, I make myself a pot of coffee, and I love to get up early and uh, when the house is quiet. And for me, it is the best time of the day to get into God's Word. And I have found over the years that uh, I need to spend that time just listening to His voice. And I'm so thankful that He gave us His Word. You know, the first psalm, we were just talking about worship and the psalms that God gave us. And the very first psalm starts, How blessed is the man who doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. So for me, Mike, I find it just imperative that I open up God's Word. And uh, I have two things that I've been doing for years now that are a little bit different perhaps than than uh, just reading, although there's nothing like just reading the Scripture, just opening it up and reading it. And sometimes I like to read it aloud. But uh, for some time I have been just taking uh, a portion of God's Word and copying it out by hand. And uh, that has been a very good discipline for me. This morning, I was uh, in the last 10 verses of John chapter 6, and just copying it out hand, ver- word by word, just making my own copy of the Scripture, uh, is a discipline that slows me down and helps me to meditate and think it through and listen to what God is saying to me. So I find that very helpful. And in fact, I've encouraged many others to do that. And uh, I'll come back to that in a minute because that has been such a good discipline for me and many, many others that I would... And I'm confident that uh, every time I talk about it, People will tell me, I never thought of doing that. And uh, when they try it, they find it's a very valuable thing. But I do that, and uh, something that I've been doing, uh, starting my mornings with for the last several years, has been just meditating on a psalm. Uh, You know, the first psalm says the value of of listening to God's Word and meditating on it day and night. And it's no surprise that the Psalms are favorite places of God's people. And some years ago, I memorized the 63rd Psalm. And it's only about 11 verses. Uh, but I did the hard work of memorization. You know, that's not easy, and it's, it's, uh, it's a discipline in and of itself. But then rather than just rehearsing it and practicing it, so to speak, I just began to think I'm going to spend a year just listening to that psalm and uh, quoting it. So I'll often begin my day by just uh, starting, Oh God, you are my God. I will seek you earnestly. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Thus I've beheld you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. 
because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul is satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth offers praises with joyful lips. I, and the psalm goes on like that, and I just, I love that the psalmist finds himself, he says he starts out by saying, my soul thirsts for you. My very soul thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. And then as he meditates on the Lord and as he focuses his attention on the Lord, he ends up saying, my soul is satisfied as with marrow and fatness. And my mouth offers praises with joyful lips. And I've found that to be transformative many, many times. My soul going from thirsting to satisfied. In the psalm, he even says, my soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. So it's a great psalm, and it's a great way to uh, focus my heart. And when I found how valuable that was, I, I spent a year doing that, and then I wouldn't quit. I <laughs> I probably, that's probably been six, seven years ago, and uh, I have hundreds of mornings started my day with the 63rd Psalm, or the 121st Psalm, or the 124th Psalm. Find a Psalm and just uh, camp in it and dwell in it, and it can speak to you in a way that uh, only God's Word can. So that's one way that I've found to be very helpful in starting my day, Mike. It's a great routine you've got, Pastor Scott, and I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to encourage us all, especially around the Easter season. So on our way out, is there anyone you want to say hi to or send a shout out to or one final thought to leave us with? Well, let me give you this final thought. It's been great to be with you, Mike, and we do have a risen Savior. He conquered death never to die again, and we should live in the victory of that. Uh, daily, not just at Easter, but daily. So I hope all your listeners uh, know him as their Savior. And I, my prayer would be that our time together today, just thinking on these things and talking about them, would encourage each of us to stay focused on him, the resurrected one who's coming back for us. And if you'd like to find out more about Jesus, you can always check out Southwest Bible Sunday Morning. Their services are at 8.30 and 11 a.m. And you can find out more at the website swbible.org. That's swbible.org. Pastor Scott Gilchrist, thank you so much for all that you do and for spending some time with us. Well, thank you, Mike. It's been great to be with you today. Have a great day in the Lord. You as well. You've been listening to The Georgine Rice Show. I'm Mike Lee, filling in for Georgine. Thanks for listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. If you'd like to download a podcast of the show or would like more information on today's guests, please visit the show at kpdq.com or on Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter at GRice Show and like us on Facebook. And join us live every weekday at 4 for more critical thinking for critical times on 93.9 KPDQ.